Welcome to Pastor Bill's Classroom. We are in our study of the Corinthian Letters, Lesson 38, entitled, Tempted and Tried. Hello, welcome back to our midweek study. We're in the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, if you would like to turn there, in fact, I would encourage you to. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to be in verses 11 through 13. So, um, while you're making your way there, you might want to pause this video because I want you to now also turn to Genesis chapter 39. So 1 Corinthians 10, Genesis 39, 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 13. Genesis 39, 11, or actually, uh, yeah, 11 through 14, and then we're going to be down in verses uh, 19 and 20. Genesis 39. And uh, we're going to be picking up as you're making your way there, picking up with the story of Joseph. Uh, our topic today is temptation, actually trials and temptations. How are they related? Actually, fairly close. In fact, all of us will have both in our lives, and maybe not a better example of that, clearer example of what trials and temptations are in the life of Joseph, we're talking about Joseph of the Old Testament, the son of Isaac, the son of, of, of uh, Jacob. So uh, as you're going there, let's, uh, let's pray together, and then we're going to consider what God has, has for us today. God, I thank you that uh, you know us, and even though there are trials and temptations, Lord, you're bigger than these things and can be if we'll allow you to be in our lives so God, I pray that you would open our eyes to the teaching of your scriptures, the, the truth, God, that, that we need to apply, and uh, that you'd speak to each one of us, Lord, as, as is appropriate according to what you have for us, God. We submit ourselves to you, to your word, and to your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So tempted and tried uh, may be a good title for the story of Joseph. Joseph, of course, is this young man who is... Uh, prophesied to be the savior of his family because he's given these dreams and there's something bad a famine that's coming for his family in the area where they live and uh, God sends two different dreams to Joseph to tell him listen you're going to be the guy delivering and the problem was is that uh, so he has the dream uh, if you will the destination but the journey which is the destination is certain the journey is not God doesn't tell him all the things that are going to happen in this journey and part of the journey as it is true for all of us, is this, these temptations and these trials. Take a look with me at uh, Genesis chapter 39, verses 11 through 14. So he's sold into slavery. That's not a part of what he thought, I'm sure, of the journey. By his own brothers, and he becomes the possession of a guy by the name of Potiphar. He's now a slave, but he's very faithful uh, and rises up in the ranks among the slaves and is basically in charge of the entire house, as was common Back then, they would put one slave in charge of everyone else. And so that was Joseph's job. But the problem, in addition to that, now, that was a big plus. I mean, he was doing what was right. The problem was is that Potiphar had an adulterous wife. Watch what she tries to pull on several occasions on Joseph. But here's the final occasion here in verse 11, chapter 39. It happened one day that he, Joseph, went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household were there inside. Uh-oh. This woman's looking for this opportunity. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. He left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. And when she saw that she had, he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she called to the men who were out in the household and said to them, see, 
He has brought in this Hebrew, in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us, and he came in to me to lie, in other words, to rape her. And I screamed, a total lie. But um, she's already an adulterous woman, so she's not above lying. And so, well, of course, her voice is going to win over his. Doesn't matter what he says. Look at down at verse 19. So here's the result. Now, it came about when his master heard the words of his wife. I mean, who's going to win, right? Yeah. Which she spoke to him, saying, This is what your slave did to me, that his anger burned. And so Joseph's master took him and put him in jail in the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in jail. And, uh, yeah, he stays there for quite a while. So, so a sad story, at least a sad progression of the story. But nonetheless, if you know the whole story of Joseph, you know that it ended exactly like God said. Um, that there is... Uh, as God promised, as the dream would be concluded, so would be uh, the direction that God has for him. But the journey was not what Joseph thought. In fact, it was not what anyone thought. And, and typically, when God gives us a vision, when God gives us a direction, when God makes promises to us, which he makes multiple promises in the Scriptures, we try to figure out the journey. And the journey doesn't always go. In fact, that probably never goes the way we think it does. But here's some things that you can be certain about that journey. Uh, you're going to have a similar story to Joseph. Uh, not necessarily you're going to be seized by an adulterous woman, but you are going to be seized by temptations. And you are going to be tried. And you are going to be tested. Can you relate to that? I believe you can. Now let's, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, look down at verse 13. Here's how I know that you can relate to that, because here's what it says in that place. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. You know what? Happens to all of us. It's a certainty. God, here's another thing that's certain. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure it. And so, so yeah, we can relate to Joseph, but we can also understand this happens to everybody. It really does. So last time together we, we looked here at chapter 10 at this spiritual drift that we're all prone to. And part of the reason why drift is inevitable is because temptation and testing is inevitable. Temptation, temptation and testing can, can send us, if we aren't careful, uh, in the wrong direction. Notice, let's be reminded uh, here in verse 11 of chapter 10, what happened. It says, now these things happen to them, the Old Testament Jews, as an example, that, and were, they were written for our instruction upon whom the ages have come. So, so what happened to them happens to us. Drift is possible, in fact, inevitable, because there is temptation. In fact, it tells us that they almost all of them fell. Uh, and the reason why they fell is because verse 12, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed unless he fall. The, the absolute certain way to make sure that you fall is to think that you won't. To think that you can't be tempted. In fact, in fact, you need to be certain that you can be tempted. Temptation is something that it is we all have in common, and any of us is capable of being tempted in almost anything. So, so be careful. Again, we have these examples in chapter 10 telling us, listen, it happened to them, so it can happen to us. So we need to understand this, and we need to make sure and deliver ourselves. They're given to us as an example. Nevertheless, a very powerful verse here in verse 13 that tells us, uh, it's common to us, but God is faithful to us in the midst of these testings and temptations and trials. And I use all those words together because, well, the Greek uses all those words together. The Greek word for temptation 
and trial are exactly the same. Is this a temptation or is it a trial? Actually, the context is the determining factor. The word is not specific. So is it a temptation? Well, if you fall to it and sin, then it was. Is it a trial or a test? Well, if you don't, then it was a test or a trial. Does that make sense? So every temptation is a trial, and every trial and test has temptations uh, uh, within it. The fact that a temptation is a trial, uh, temptation, uh, we need to understand this, first of all, that temptations to sin, that is, is never from God. So God does allow trials in our lives, but never tempt, he's never tempting you to sin. How do we know that? Because what it says over here in James, take a look. Uh-oh, hang on. It, something was going on with my computer. There you go. James chapter 1, verse 13. No one is to say when he is tempted. Oh, don't, don't say this. I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and himself does not tempt anyone. So never think God is pushing you toward evil. That is a lie. We're going to see some of the lies that are bound up within temptation in just a minute. The opposite is true, though, of course, for trials and testings. God does send and allow trials and testings in our lives. The purpose of a temptation is destructive. God's not interested ever in destroying us, messing, messing us up. The purpose of temptation is destructive. Either, either Satan or our flesh or both, probably most times, is uh, trying to destroy us. On the other hand, a trial or a test is to make us better. So that when we endure it, we actually come out stronger in the end. And so they're different, even though they're the same word uh, in the Greek language. So let's, let's look at temptations, first of all. And bound up within temptations, because they come from the evil one, because they come either from our evil flesh or they come from uh, the evil one, uh, bound up within them is these lies. They come from the source of lies. So several lies to deal with. We've already dealt with one of them. Lie number one, it's a lie that God himself tempts us. Again, look at James chapter 1, verse 13. No one is to say, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and himself, he himself, does not tempt anyone. You can be certain of that. God doesn't tempt us. That's not God. It is a lie to think that God is tempting us. So abound up within temptation is lies. First lie is that God is doing, doing that. No, it's not him. Second lie. It is a lie that temptation itself is actually a sin. The fact that I'm tempted isn't a sin. If I fall into temptation, now that is a sin. Consider how even Jesus himself is tempted. Hebrews 4.15. Well, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are, yet without sin. So, so, so temptation isn't a sin. Jesus never sinned. He was tempted. But, and when you're tempted, it is not a sin, but, it is, but the enemy will come to you and say that it is. So it's only when we give in to temptation that, that it is a sin. So number one, it's a lie that God tempts us. Number two, it's a lie that temptation itself, itself, by itself, is a sin. Number three, it is a lie when we think we are unique in our temptation. Again, look at verse 13. There's no temptation has seized us except that which is common. We're not unique. Oh, this never happened to anyone. Well, that's the way a wolf does with a sheep. He tries to section them off by himself. You're all alone. You're by yourself. And that's the way the wolf gets us. No, you're not. No, nope. testing and temptation happens to 
everyone tested and tried. Just like Joseph, so are we. We're not alone in temptation. Temptation is not, listen, superhuman. It is not supernatural, even though the source may be supernatural. I'm not saying Satan can't tempt you. I'm not saying demons can't tempt you. They are indeed supernatural. But the, the actual temptation itself is not superhuman. It's not supernatural. In fact, the Scripture is very clear. It is common. It is common to all of us. It's common. It's on a human level. We all go through it. So, so it is a lie when we think that we are unique in our temptation. Then there's a fourth lie. There's going to be six of them. It's a lie to think there is no help from God. Well, I'm just on this by my own. You know, I'm off here by myself. It's just me and the devil. Never is that true. Never. Never are you alone. God is always, I will always be with you. I will never forsake you. What, has he said that? He's not a liar. But the devil certainly is. He'll lie to you and say you're all by yourself. And again, it calls into question God's faithfulness. God is what? Faithful, it says there in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Look at it. There is no supernatural temptation, but there is supernatural help. And that is from God. We have to cry out to him, God, help me. Help me, I'm being tempted. Help me, God, I'm being pulled away the wrong direction. God, I know this isn't from you. There you go. Help me, God, to endure this. Help me, God, because I know that it's common to other people, and I know you've helped other people, and I know you can help me. Claim his promises. Nothing wrong with that. So number four, it's a lie to think there is no help from God. Number five, it is a lie that temptation is too strong for us, because why would God have allowed it? Why would he? It doesn't say that. In fact, it does. It says, it says the opposite. It says he will not allow anything that is beyond us. It says there in verse 13, verse, uh, Verse 13, it says, No temptation is overtaking you such as is common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So, so there is an enabling in the midst of temptation. God gives us the, the ability, but, but the ability actually is found in him, which brings us to our sixth lie. It is a lie to think there is no way out. So again, what does the enemy do? First of all, he throws a temptation at us or uses our own our own flesh to tempt us, and then he makes us think that we're all by ourselves, nobody's ever been through this before, and then he wants you to think it's too strong for you, and then he wants you to think there's no way out, and all these things are lies. This calls again, again into question God's faithfulness, because God is faithful. What does it say again? Verse 13, God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able, with the temptation will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Every temptation has a back door. Every temptation. Every temptation has a way out. But you've got to decide long before the temptation gets here, God, I don't want to fall. God, I don't know what today holds. God, I, I know, as in the case of Joseph, I know the destination. I'm no longer going to be with you. I know I'm headed toward sanctification. I know I'm headed toward, toward blessing, toward the things that you want me to be. But between here and there, I have no idea what's coming. In fact, no, that's not true. You actually do. Testings, trials, temptations. Because I know that these are coming, God, help me, please. Help me to want the way out. In fact, I choose the way out before I ever have to get under the temptation. There's no such thing as a temptation that doesn't have a way out. And the way out isn't always, may not always be what you like. May not always be what's pleasant in the short run. 
But it's definitely going to be what's best in the long run. Ask Joseph. In the short run, he got thrown in prison. In the long run, it, he still reached his destination, just exactly according to what God had predicted. So, so there's a brief, if you will, look at temptation. Now let's switch the words, because the word is, in this, in this verse actually, it's determined about the, the circumstance. Like I said, is it a test? Is it a temptation? It's all about how we handle it. Let's look at what this verse has to say from the perspective of a trial or a test. Remember, these, things, these words are interchangeable. Verse 13, let's read, it from, let's read it using the word test or trial here. No test, no trial, in the place of temptation, has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tested Beyond what you are able, with the testing, will provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure. It is also true for that word. It is also true. The same things apply. Remember, this is God allows testing. God allowed the testing in the life of Joseph. Now, along with the testing came temptations. I mean, like I said, an adulterous woman throwing himself at her, at it, so herself at it. So, so, so these were. Trials, not temptations for him because he passed. You see the difference? So, so, so he was tested, but not beyond what he can do. There was a way out. It wasn't necessarily the funnest thing. I mean, go to prison? Yeah, because he trusts God. So I, I'd rather go to prison doing the right thing than stay in Potiphar's house doing the wrong thing. Because one is going to end badly, the other one's going to end well because it puts me in the place where God can bless me eventually. Do I trust God? Because I, I, it, when I do what's right, when I choose what's right, when I choose the way out, even though it may not be fun, I'm choosing the way that says I trust God, that God's able to bless me. I'm going to be honest about this. I'm going to be truthful about this. I'm not going to fudge the numbers. I'm not going to fudge the circumstances. I'm not going to change things. I'm not going to give in to this temptation. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the upfront thing. I'm going to do the correct thing because I know that in the end, God is able to bless me greater than the short-run decision of the pleasure that I'm choosing, whatever that is, whatever the temptation is. So Joseph, like Joseph, our destination is absolutely certain. But also, like Joseph, our journey is not certain. I should say, we have no idea the trials we're coming through, coming through but we can know this. We're, those are coming. Well, the best examples, of course, Joseph is a great example. Another example we have in the New Testament is the story of the Apostle Paul. Now, from the day he was saved onward, it was predicted by God to him that he was going to have these huge blessings, he was going to have these great opportunities, and in fact, they did actually come true, that he was going to stand before governors and before kings and before his own people, and he was going to bear testimony to the Gentiles and all these things, and that he was going to suffer for the name of Christ, and all those things came true. So, so, so the destination was certain, the journey, not so much. So, so consider here in Romans as he writes, because he knows God says, I have to go to Rome. I have to go to Rome because God promised I'm going to stand before Caesar. So he has this idea, possibly, of how that's going to work out, but it doesn't go necessarily that way. Look, at, look with me here in Romans chapter uh, 15, verses 29 and following. I know now he's writing to a group of people to a place that he's never been, right in the book of Romans. And he's sending a letter ahead of himself, 
Because he knows God says, you're going to go to Rome, Paul. You're going to stand before Caesar, Paul. And so Paul says, I know this is going to be true. But he's not exactly sure how that's going to work out. How, again, the destination is certain, but the journey is not. I know that when I come to you, he writes to the Romans, I will come in fullness of the blessing of Christ. Absolutely. Why? Because Jesus predicted it. And Jesus always is telling the truth. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers uh, to God for me that I may be rescued from those. See, here's the journey part. See, he's uncertain about the journey. The, the destiny is for sure, but the journey isn't. So, so pray for my journey, he says, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea and that, that my service for Jerusalem, that is to the Christians, may prove acceptable to the saints so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and relax in your company. So that's what he wanted, but that's not exactly how it happened. He didn't, he didn't really get to relax because he shows up definitely in the blessings of Christ, but he shows up in chains. So the destination is certain, but the journey's not. True for Paul, it's true for us. The destination is absolutely certain. I mean, uh, but the journey was not. Here's what happened on his journey to Rome. As he asked them to pray, here's what happened on the journey. Nearly killed. Uh, he held in prison. He was uh, shipwrecked, uh, snake bit. He arrives in Rome just as planned, just as predicted, but he arrives, like I said, in chains. So the destination was certain, but the journey was not. You and I, when we understand the destination, we want to predict also what the journey is, and um, that's where our trouble comes. God, this is not what you said. No, God said, listen, I'm going to take you to a certain destination. I didn't tell you about the journey. In fact, if anything, we can be certain about the journey. There's going to be testings. There's going to be trials. There's going to be temptations. But consider the accomplishments of Paul's journey. Uh, they were amazing. So even though he was tested and tried, he got to stand before the leader of the Jews, just like it was predicted, to give his testimony. He got to stand before Caesar, both the courts of Caesar in Judea and the actual presence of Caesar in Rome. He got to stand and give his testimony there. In that process, in the couple of three years that he was in prison, he writes the books of Philippians, First and Second Timothy, uh, in, several, uh, in his different prison stays, the book of Titus. I mean, consider... All the blessings that God brought about through the trials of the journey of the Apostle Paul. God's working in our lives. God's working in the testings and the trials. And if we'll allow him to, he'll work even through the temptations as he delivers us and gives us a way out. God's ways aren't always fun. Somebody needs to tell you that. And so there you go, I just did. But they are always the best. If all you're looking for is fun, I'm telling you, you're going to fall to the first temptation. You're not going to make it through the first trial. But if, you're, if your determination is to honor God, to please God, to, 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 to reach for the destination that God has for you, then you'll be able to endure the trials and the testings and the temptations of the journey between here and that destination. I'd ask you if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we think about these things that we learn from scriptures testings and trials god i thank you uh, that you're with us at all times that you never fail us that you never fail to give a way out of these uh, temptations that come into our lives help us not to listen to the lies that the enemy brings trying to 
put us off by ourselves and make us think that this is unusual, make us think that we're unique, make us think that you're not faithful, make us think there's no way out. These things are simply not true. So I pray, God, that instead of them being temptations for us, we would turn them into tests and that we would pass. God, we have no idea what the rest of this day holds, the rest of this week, the rest of this month or year or the rest of this lifetime holds for us. But I pray that today we would say, God, help us to pass the test. Help us to pass. Help us to make it through. We're encouraged by the story of Joseph, by the story of Paul, who endured great trials, great temptations, and yet came through to the destination that you had predicted for them. Lord, I know the same is going to be true for us as we trust and hold on to you. Thank you, God, for speaking to us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.